I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and you're listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ in Northampton, Pennsylvania, taken from my Sunday sermons. During these times of uncertainty as the coronavirus continues to spread, I pray that the peace of the Holy Spirit would be with you and your family. Here's what we have for today. One type of story that we like to hear is a story where the little guy stands up to the big guy and wins. It's kind of part of our DNA as Americans. Our plucky little colony, you know, we stood up to the big bad British and we did it all on our own with a little help from the French. And we beat them. And who could forget Super Bowl 42, where the 10 and 6 New York Giants beat the unbeatable New England Patriots coming off their perfect season. Or who could forget George McFly finally standing up to Biff, knocking him out in one punch and saving Lorraine. The story, brothers and sisters, of the underdog facing incredible odds holds significance for us. And we see this theme in everything from in movies and books to children's television. Of course, we see this theme in the Bible too, which is where I think all of this is coming from. And this is most clearly seen, I think, in the story of David and Goliath, right? That's the prime example. But sometimes the plucky underdog doesn't win. Sometimes having heart doesn't guarantee a person's ability to play beyond their physical ability. Sometimes the underdog loses. Sometimes when you stand up to the bully, you get beaten up. But what if a person stood up to the bully knowing full well that the bully isn't going to stop with just giving you a bloody nose? What if the pers- a person stood up to a bully with the knowledge that this could end in the worst way possible? Will they stand up and say hard truths, or will they cower and shrink away? In today's reading from Acts, we see the deacon Stephen, St. Stephen, the proto-martyr, the first martyr, standing up to the same council that tried Jesus and what developed from that encounter. And even though St. Stephen paid (laughs) with his life, even though he didn't win what looks like in the moment, he actually did win. So we heard this reading from Acts about Stephen being brought before the council, and the portion that we heard in Acts 7 says, it opened with, now when they heard these things, they were enraged and ground their teeth at him. So why are they enraged? For that, we have to go back into Acts chapter 6 to see what led to this reaction and who was reacting to what Stephen had said. Stephen was appointed, when we read the scriptures here, as a deacon by the apostles themselves, right? Which means that he and six others, they were put in charge of making sure that the widows were not neglected during the daily provision of food and care that the church was giving to the poor. Some people were being overlooked, right? Because we remember earlier in Acts, it says people were selling everything they have and laying the money at the apostles' feet. And then the apostles said, this money is my blessing from the Lord. And they went and they bought a mansion and a private jet. No, no. The apostles took the money and they distributed it and, uh, to buy food and, and whatever the people in the early church needed. They all shared these things in common, but sometimes people got overlooked. So they appointed seven men to oversee the distribution, and St. Stephen is one of these seven men. 
but he doesn't just serve in that capacity. The text also says in the book of Acts that he was gifted by the Holy Spirit and he performed signs and wonders, right? And signs and wonders, as we saw in John, these signs that I do, you will do and greater, right? These attest to the reality of Jesus and the resurrection. Stephen was also a masterful speaker and he regularly confounded those who would attempt to dispute with him. We see this in Acts 6. A scholar priest friend of mine named Father Stephen Young, he mentions in, in one of his blogs that ancient medieval art depicted Stephen as a student of the rabbi Gamaliel. Now that name should be familiar to us because that was the same rabbi who taught the apostle Paul, who was there at Stephen's execution. Same guy, familiar to us. So people from the synagogue who could not refute Stephen, they decided to go another route. They began to instigate against him with false accusations that Stephen was blaspheming against Moses and against God. So they take him right to the temple and he faces the Sanhedrin, the same council that condemned Jesus not that long ago. And interestingly, his experience follows the general pattern of Jesus' experience beginning with his arrest and being taken to be judged. Like Jesus, they accused Stephen of saying that the temple was going to be destroyed. And keep this in mind, because the temple is sacrosanct to them. And we're going to come back to the temple in a little bit. So, when we get here to chapter 7, the chief priest asks Stephen if these accusations are true. Stephen doesn't respond by saying, no, of course they're not true. Instead, he responds by preaching a sermon to them. And for the most part, it's one that they wouldn't have disagreed with. Because he begins to lay out, this is how God has moved throughout our history. So starting with Abraham and the patriarchs, before moving into their freedom from slavery through Moses from the Egyptians. Like he goes through all this, right? He lays all of this out, their salvation story. And then he quotes Deuteronomy 22. Stephen quotes Moses as saying, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. So notice what he's doing here, right? He's appealing to Moses, who he's accused of blaspheming against. And he's saying that Moses said, God is going to raise up a prophet like Moses. This is something that all of the listeners would have been fine with. But notice also what Stephen does next. They pride themselves on following Moses in the law, even though what is happening to Stephen and what happened to Jesus violated the law. Stephen says Moses was given the oracles of God. And then he tells the part of the story that's not so great. Right, we all remember Charlton Heston coming down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, right? When Moses come down from the mountain holding the tablets of stone, what does he come back to? He comes back to a party. People are drunk, messing around, and they're worshiping a false idol, this golden calf. And Moses, in the story, he says to Aaron, dude, I was only gone for 40 days. What is wrong with you? And Aaron says, I don't know what happened. I just took the golden fruit and the fire and this calf came out. I don't know. And we know what happens in the story. Moses throws down the tablets of stone and they break and a plague breaks out among the people. Stephen reminds them of that part of the story. Yeah, God gave us the oracles through Moses, but when Moses brought those oracles back, remember this? People rose up in sin. He was only gone like a little bit over a month. 
Stephen brings this up, citing their disobedience, turning to idol worship. And then he quotes the prophets to show that God gave them over then to the false gods they preferred to serve. He's using their own history to show that the Moses they claimed to revere was not obeyed or listened to by his own people at the time. And remember, brothers and sisters, who has come? A prophet like Moses, greater than Moses, who was also rejected. Jesus. So then he links, right, this, he links that with worship by referencing the tabernacle. God gave Moses the oracles. They didn't listen. God instructed Moses to build this tabernacle. He gave it to Joshua. Joshua brought this with him into the land after they conquered the people living there. Then David asked God, hey, I want to build you a house. God says no, but then David's heir Solomon, however, was tasked with building the temple and then the Ark of the Covenant built inside, and the other objects used in worship, and then they dedicated the temple, and then the story, I think it's in 1 Kings, the glory of God descends, and it's so heavy that the priests fell over and they couldn't move, a sign that God was present there in the house. But then, the twist. He cites the prophet Isaiah, who says, God does not dwell in houses made by hands, because heaven is God's seat, and puts his feet on the earth. So he's masterfully set his argument up because Isaiah's mission is to proclaim to Israel and Judah their coming judgment and captivity. And what's in Jerusalem that was destroyed that had to be rebuilt years later by Nehemiah? The temple. Why? Because the people refused to listen to the messenger of God. All of the messengers of God that God sent to them. Right? Jesus did not come to destroy the temple. But for Stephen, the temple now is a symbol of their refusal to listen to Jesus and to receive his message. Just like they did not listen to Moses and any of the prophets. Leading Stephen then to say in Acts 7 from our reading, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law delivered by angels and did not keep it. Hardcore stuff here. (laughs) Hardcore stuff. He calls them out. Remember when Moses said God's going to raise up a prophet like Moses from among the people? Remember that time he said that? Remember all of the time in our history where we were, where we fell into disobedience, were punished for not obeying God and following the law and the covenants as given to us? Remember all of that? The prophet that Moses said is coming came. And what did you do to him? You murdered him and you betrayed him. You claim to have received the law. You have not kept the law. Upon hearing this, they all repented and they fell down to their knees and asked God and Stephen for forgiveness. Unfortunately not. If we were telling another story, then maybe. Which brings us full circle to the beginning of the reading this morning. They were enraged and ground their teeth. Instead of heeding Stephen, just like they didn't heed Jesus or any of the prophets, they see Stephen after he sees a vision of the risen Christ standing at the side of the Father, a symbol 
of Christ's exercise of authority. That sends them over the edge. Where Stephen looks up to heaven and he sees in the middle of his own trial Christ standing at the throne of God. And they can't take it. They seize him. And they stone him to death. Now notice, they don't ask permission from the Roman governor <laughs> like they did with Jesus. I mean, it's possible that there wasn't one there, that there was a period of time where there wasn't a Roman governor because Pilate was recalled and then they had to wait for a new guy to come. That could be it fell into there. We don't know. Maybe their anger blinded them so much to any common sense that they just acted out on it. Because that's what happens sometimes, brothers and sisters, when self-righteousness, when our self-righteousness is challenged. St. John Chrysostom said, Passion suffers not a man to see, but just as in a night battle, it leads him with eyes blindfolded and ears stopped up where it will. And following in the pattern of Jesus, Stephen is killed, the first martyr of the church. And now notice his reaction. He asks Jesus to receive his spirit. So we already even see here, right, the belief that Jesus is God. And like Jesus, he asks God to not hold them accountable for their sin even as they violate their own law, given to them by God, mediated to them by angels through the prophet Moses. And this, brothers and sisters, begins a wave of persecution, headed up by a person who will later become the hardest working and the most dedicated follower of Jesus, the Apostle Paul, also known as Saul. So I wanted to focus on Stephen and his story today because Traditionally, his feast day in the church has always been right after Christmas. And this is actually, if you go back in history, one of the earliest feast days of the church that it ever celebrated. There's clear ties to this going back very, 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 very far back. But it's the day after Christmas. <laughs> and so when I saw this reading in the lectionary today, because it repeats the reading for, for that on, on the 26th, I, wanted, I knew I wanted to preach on Stephen. And St. John Chrysostom said, boldness of speech of a man bearing the cross. The, the, what we see here, that's, that's what we see here. Boldness of speech of a man bearing the cross. Let us then imitate this. Though it not be a time of war, yet it is always the time for boldness of speech. And thinking about the story of Stephen and what he did and how he willingly called out their, their, their wickedness and their sin to them, it really, it speaks to me. It speaks to me. And, and reading the story, you know, I wish that I could be more like Stephen. I wish that fear wouldn't hold me back sometimes from saying things. But this is the thing, brothers and sisters. It's really hard because there's a line between saying something that needs to be said and saying something that doesn't need to be said. There's a fine line between speaking the truth in love and in boldness and being a jerk face. And all too often, most of us think we're speaking the truth in love. We think we're being bold, but we're actually being jerk faces. And I operated that way for many, many years, especially online. And God forgive me for the way I interacted online. And if you're here watching this and I interacted with you like a jerk face online, I'm sorry for being a jerk face. I thought I was being Stephen but I was being a jerk face. And many of us, well, I just call things as they see it. I just say what I think, and that's it. You just better get used to it. No, you're not being like Stephen. You're being a jerk face. 
don't be a jerk face. But this story speaks to me because there are times when we do have to be bold in our speech. And there are times when, even though it might turn out really bad for us, we might have to challenge authority. We might have to take a stand. But we have to be very careful, brothers and sisters. One thing we see in the story about Stephen is that it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see, brothers and sisters, that the Holy Spirit gives us boldness to speak. But the Holy Spirit gives us boldness to speak the truth of Jesus Christ to those who need to hear it. And when we look at the book of Acts, we see people who have been filled with the Holy Spirit. People like Stephen will stand up and proclaim hard truths. You guys did this. You murdered the one God was sending to you that Moses even told you was coming. You killed him. And in response to that, he gets killed. But St. Peter stands up and said, hey, you guys killed the one that God said was coming, but God raised him from the dead. And what's the reaction of those people? They repented and said, what do we need? What? How are we going to be saved? And people says, and Peter goes, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children, for all who God will call to himself, right? Baptism, your sins are forgiven. You've received the Holy Spirit. And we see through the book of Acts, people doing what we heard in the Gospel of John. Jesus saying, these works I do, you will do too, and greater works. And we even see Stephen doing the works of Jesus, suffering the same fate as Jesus. And we think sometimes that walking in the way of Christ means that everybody's going to like us and that everything's going to turn out okay for us. But sometimes it won't. You might be listening here. You might have heard me say something that you may not have liked. When I talked about violence and guns, you may, that may have rubbed you the wrong way when we preached about uh, the hard sayings of Jesus. And you may have thought, ah, I wish he would shut up about that. <laughs> and then when I preached and I, and I bring up hot topics, right, that, that are wicked, like abortion, we kind of slink back and we say, uh. But brothers and sisters, Stephen doesn't shrink back from calling out stuff like that. But remember, he is filled with the Spirit. And he is walking in the way of Jesus. And he's trying to bring attention to what God was trying to do, what, what God was doing throughout all of their history, how God had moved through all of, out all of their history to bring them to repentance. That the very ones who refused him are the very ones that he still offers forgiveness to. That's powerful stuff. So Stephen's boldness is tied in specifically with being bold for witnessing to the truth of Jesus Christ. That's the primary lesson from this. The secondary lesson I think we can learn from this is that following Stephen's example, we then can call out evil when we see it. Now, we have to be very careful here because our temptation is to, to, to see every cause as being godly. And anytime something bad happens in the media, we have to hitch our wagon to every single cause we think is unjust. But we have to be careful because not everything that happens 
is an injustice. We have to be careful. Our temptation is to make it, is to try to be a Stephen for everything. And that's not necessarily the case. But, brothers and sisters, there are times where it very much is easily obvious that these are things that we should stand against. And I'm thinking today, because it's fresh in my mind, of what's come out recently about the, the shooting of Ahmad Arbery who was an unarmed man running through a suburb, jogging through a suburb, was chased down by a white man in a truck and shot to death. No weapons, hadn't committed a crime, no crimes and burglaries had been reported for months in that area, was running and was killed. That's evil. That's evil. And if you can't be like Stephen, and if your first reaction isn't two people in a truck gunned down an unarmed black man, that's evil. If your first reaction is to say, well, maybe he did something wrong and he deserved it, that, brothers and sisters, repent. Sit with the, the wickedness of that act before you opine, before you're a jerk face online. Something like this is clearly evil. And something like this is clearly anti-God. And we should be unafraid to stand up for something like this and to say, this is wrong. Maybe some things need to change. Maybe we should own the dark history of our past. Because sometimes when we begin to deal with the dark history of our, path, our past, we're able to chart out a course for our future. Something like this. We should be like Stephen. Calling out wickedness like this and and i was talking with a couple of friends online and i said to them when we think of the word the, the church we see throughout history the church taking a stand for things like this i think of saint basil the great who who who's venerated in the eastern church and the western church as a saint one of the great teachers of our faith who wrote one of the seminal works defending the deity of the holy spirit as being God, right? Opened hospitals. Anybody was welcome there, Christian or non-Christian. Had a home for women who wanted to leave prostitution, brought them in and cared for them, found them husbands, right? I think of his sister, St. Macrina, also venerated as a saint by the Eastern and Western Church, who was known in the ancient world if they had a baby and they didn't want it, they would just expose it and leave it outside to die. St. Macrina would take in these babies and unwanted children and take care of them and adopt them. And St. Gregory of Nyssa, preaching against the evils of slavery to Christians who own slaves. That didn't sit so well with some of them at all because slavery was part of the Roman Empire. But saints like Gregory and Macrina and, and, and Basil, they, like, they show us that there is a practical side to our boldness, right? That the preaching of Jesus crucified and resurrected and ascended and the message of the gospel, right, is something that transforms our hearts so we can then begin to work for the good of others, Right? Not just to lift them out of poverty, not just to take care of them, 
but that's a major part of it, but also to show them the love of Christ so that they can be brought into a relationship with Christ too. And it's in that light, brothers and sisters, I pray that I can be like Stephen and I pray that you can be like Stephen. I pray for that. I pray for that. That we wouldn't be tossed to and fro by whatever is the social cause du jour, but we would be able, being filled by the Spirit, to see what we need to stand up against and to resist and be a faithful witness against. And brothers and sisters, if you're watching this, if you are in Christ, you have been given the Spirit. Right? When I baptized Cameron and, 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 and when I baptized Hadley and, and, and when I baptized Isaac and anybody else who, when we have the font here, when I poured water over their head and then when I laid my hands on them and I said, receive the Holy Spirit, that was the moment where they were made right in the sight of God and where they were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We all, if we are in Christ, have been given the Spirit. There are Christians out there who say, if you don't have a particular experience, then you're not Spirit-filled. That's garbage. If you are in Christ, you have been given the Spirit. And if you have been given the Spirit, then you'll be able to stand up like Stephen in boldness and in faith to proclaim a risen Christ, a resurrected Christ, and to take a stand against the evils of this world. And you can do it with boldness and in love and not like a jerk face. So may we, brothers and sisters, this Mother's Day, <laughs> take the example of Stephen. And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be all glory together with the Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and you're listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ in Northampton, Pennsylvania, taken from my Sunday sermons. During these times of uncertainty as the coronavirus continues to spread, I pray that the peace of the Holy Spirit would be with you and your family. Here's what we have for today.